Welcome to Awen, guided by spirit. Awen is the air of inspiration that permeates all life. This podcast is a space for you to be inspired to listen to your spirit. You'll learn more about intuition, living cyclically with the seasons, energy healing, natural magic, and more. I'm your host, Cassie Yule. I'm a gentle guide to spirit, an author, artist, and healer trained in Celtic and British shamanic practices. Learn more at CassieYule.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-U-H-L.com or at Cassie Yule on Instagram. Welcome. Hello, love. I'm happy to be back in this space with you. I've been toiling away in the background, focusing on my brand, quote unquote, rebirth as I transition from Zend Out to me, Cassie Yule, my name. So I have hired a new branding expert who I'm so excited about. So the wheels are in motion and new offerings are coming soon. And I'm just excited that you're here for it. Along for the journey. So before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to just root into this moment. So whatever you're doing, just take a couple of deep breaths. Notice your body. Feel the breath coming in and out of your body. And just root into this space with me. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking all about energy work. We'll be talking about what is energy work? Is it real? Should you try it? So of course, I can't tell you what's best for you, but in this post, you'll learn a bit about what energy work is, if it's right for you, who can practice energy work, five common types of energy work, my experience with energy work, and experts in the field. And then at the end of this podcast, I am going to do a short Q&A because I asked on Instagram if anybody had any specific energy work-related questions. So I'm going to answer some of those at the end of this episode. This is a huge topic. There are books written on it. I feel like I wrote a mini book just writing this blog post. You can probably tell just from the length and depth of this episode that I feel pretty strongly about the topic of energy work. So if you do too, then I think you're really going to enjoy this. First, I want to start with my experience with energy work. So I experienced energy work for the first time at a very young age, probably around 10 or 11 years old. I got my hands on some books from my grandmother about spirituality that explained how to feel your energy in between your hands and feel your aura over your body. And I was really easily able to feel my energy and was really hooked from that point on. And it became a part of my regular practice where when I would meditate, I would kind of check in and feel my energy. So as an adult, I've tried various energy work methods, both on myself and from other experts in the field. And then more recently, within the last two years, I've been practicing shamanic energy healing in a Celtic lineage. And that's something that I'll get into a little bit more. I do want to share my full story, but I'm going to save that for another post on another day. But just so you have an idea of where I'm coming from. All right, let's dive into some of the nitty gritty. What is energy work? So energy work in my definition, my explanation is the intentional effort to manipulate yours or someone else's energy for spiritual, emotional, or physical healing. 
there are countless modalities of energy work practices and cultures around the world. You can perform energy work on yourself or seek it out from a professional. Energy work affects both the subtle body as well as the physical body in various ways. The subtle body system shows up differently again across cultures. Some of the most common ones you might be familiar with are the chakras and nadis, which are from Hinduism. Meridians are Chinese medicine, the three cauldrons, Celtic, and the aura is cross-cultural. And the list goes on. This is not a finite list of different kinds of energy systems of the body. Most cultures around the world have some reference of an energy or subtle body system. So it's really something we see pop up all over the world. Anything that affects the subtle body can also affect the physical body because they are intertwined. It's now commonly accepted that emotions can be stored in and affect the physical body. So many believe that energy can be manipulated to create changes in the subtle and physical body in the same vein. This goes back to a common thing you hear me reference, and that's often referenced in a lot of witchcraft and occult communities, which is as above, so below, as within, so without. Whatever affects the macro also affects the micro and vice versa. So science now recognizes that everything is energy. When we zoom in on the physical world really far, when we get to the quantum world, all we have is vibrating energy. There's literally nothing solid about anything in the world that we live in. It's all energy. Now, I know it can be really hard to wrap the mind around physical objects not really being solid, but it's what we know to be true now. So this quote from physicist Schrodinger illustrates this well. And he said, what we observe as material bodies and forces are nothing but shapes and variations in the structure of space. Particles are just shamkomen, which translates to appearances. So aside from the quantum world, which I know that was a lot condensed there just in a couple of paragraphs, and I definitely encourage you to read more about quantum physics if energy work or the quantum world is something that excites you because for me it seems like an area where the lines between spirituality and science really begin to blur and there's a lot of exciting things that have happened and are still happening in that realm. The other thing I want to talk about is the idea, not even the idea, the fact that we have all of these unseen energies that we already know about, like light waves, sound waves, electromagnetic energy. I mean, even wind. There's an entire world of invisible energies that affect us both positively and negatively on a physical and an energetic level. So though science has not completely caught up with the idea of humans having the potential to spark healing through touch and other physical abilities and energy work, I believe it's something that many ancient people have known all along. We spend so much time tending to and caring for our physical bodies, but what about your energy, your essence, your soul, the unseeable forces that create you as a whole being. Okay, who should try energy work? So the short answer to this is if you feel called to try any kind of energy work, I suggest trying it. Now, the bigger questions that you'll need to ask yourself, which we'll get into, are what kind of energy work 
do you want to receive and who would you want to work with? Now, these are not questions that I can answer for you, and they will require some research and reflection on your part. As someone who's received a lot of different kinds of energy work, the best advice I can give you is that you'll know when you know. If you feel pulled to work with someone, honor that. And then do a little bit of research about them, which I cover in the next section, to ensure that they're in alignment with your values and are working ethically. If you get any internal nudges that someone is or isn't a good fit, honor that. And if you don't have any desire to receive energy work, well, you're probably not listening to this, but I would say maybe it's not a good fit. But if you do, explore it. Now, this is a big one. Who can practice energy work and can you practice on yourself? There are a lot of gray areas and different opinions within the answers to these questions. I'm going to do my best to answer them in this short space, but please know that many feel differently and that these are short answers to really big questions. Now, if there's one thing I hope you take away from this, it's that you can perform energy work on yourself. The very act of pausing and taking a few intentional deep breaths is energy work. It's not something that you have to pay hundreds of dollars to receive. You can, and it can be wonderful, but it's not necessary. There's so much power in doing small, short energy work practices on yourself regularly to maintain your, what I like to call energetic hygiene. So I discuss a lot of this in two of my last books, Understanding Auras and Understanding Chakras. So those are a great place to start if you want to just get started with performing some energy work on yourself and better understanding your energetic body. There are also a lot of blog posts on my blog from past posts that you can research and some of which I'll link in the show notes. So now the bigger part, which is regarding who can practice with other people. Here are some of my suggestions and questions that I always personally ask myself when I'm embarking on forming a relationship with somebody who performs energy work. The first question I always ask is, what is their training? Now notice I said training, not certification. Certification is not always necessary in the case of energy work. This probably goes for other things too. Sadly, certifications can actually be quite misleading and are not always equally accessible. In fact, I'd say most of the time they're not equally accessible. In fact, certification processes often leave out the very people who have trained in indigenous cultures and lineages in specific kinds of energy work. Many certification processes end up being watered down versions of traditional energy work methods. Furthermore, they could be actively causing harm to the indigenous peoples and communities that they came from. Now that said, certification is not always bad, but I think it's really important to ask some follow-up questions and to use discernment when hiring somebody who's basing their qualifications purely on a certification. Some of the questions that I ask when I'm looking to work with somebody new are, where did the certification come from? Who did they train with for the certification? Or if they don't have a certification, who did they train with? And a big one that I think is really important to honor is, were the indigenous and cultural roots respected in the certification or the training process? These are all questions 
that, in my opinion, should be on the person's website who's offering energy work. And if they're not, I just want you to know that you have every right to ask these questions, and I would encourage you to do so. Let's keep going. Let's talk about benefits and possible risks of energy work. The possible benefits of energy work are vast and will vary from method to method. I'll dive into specific benefits for each of the kind of energy work methods that I discuss later on in this episode. Here's a general list of benefits that I've personally received from different kinds of energy work. So energy work can induce a deep sense of calmness. It can help you feel closer to the spirit realm and connected to all life. It can aid in balancing the chakra and subtle body systems. It can spark physical healing. Side note, energy work should never replace the guidance of a medical professional. It can bring messages from loved ones and spirit. It can help with the removal of one unwanted or stagnant energy. It can be supportive in processing shadow work and trauma. Again, side note, energy work should never replace the guidance of a trained therapist. And it can offer a deep sense of feeling held can offer you a sacred container, if you will. It can give you a greater perspective on life issues that you may be facing. It can help with the decision-making and it can bring about just a general sense of peace and ease. So are there any risks to energy work? Yes and no. So I would say that some forms of energy work are riskier than others. For example, sound healing, crystal healing, I don't see these as very risky energy work practices, but on the other hand, practices like shamanic healing and intuitive healing, these are very intimate and vulnerable acts of energy work. The practitioners are essentially accessing your energy. So if you're highly sensitive to energy, it will be of utmost importance for you to be really clear about what you do and do not want. So to have firm boundaries around your energy and the experience and to make sure that you're a good fit with that person. I personally haven't had any negative energy work experiences, but I'm also very discerning about who I will work with. So again, this is why it's so important to do your due diligence. And so one thing I suggest, and this is something that I personally do, is if you find somebody you'd like to receive energy work from, I suggest going within, whether it be in meditation or just taking a few quiet moments and asking yourself something like, is so-and-so's medicine in alignment with my highest good? And notice what comes up. In my experience, spirit is always very clear about what I need and what I don't need and who is and who is not a good fit. Beyond this, always be sure to run through the questions that I offered above about who can practice energy work ethically as well. Another risk that I've seen and personally experienced is having too high of expectations. Remember, you have autonomy over yourself and your energy. If you go into a session thinking that the practitioner will be able to fix all of your problems in one hour, you might leave pretty disappointed. Energy work is not meant to be a cure-all, Though in some rare cases it can be, and in my opinion, it's intended to be more of a catalyst for healing. I view energy work as a tool to spark healing, soothe the energy body, and open the door to spirit. But oftentimes, this will also require more work from you as well. Also, I think there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, who among us is truly perfectly healed? Here in the physical, we will always have something we're moving through. So if your goal is healing, instantaneous healing that lasts forever, 
I think you might want to check your expectations. All right. I'm almost ready to dive into the five different kinds of energy work that we're going to be diving deep into. And before I do that, I do want to go through a few little fine print details that I think are important when we discuss energy work. A couple of them I've already touched on. So first, energy work should never take the place of a trained medical professional or a therapist. Even though energy work can affect the physical body and physical healing can take place, it should just never replace the work of a doctor. You are a multifaceted being who requires multifaceted care. I love energy work, but you better believe that I'm going to go to the hospital if I break my arm or whatever it is. And I'm also a huge proponent of therapy. I've had therapists. I've had several therapists in the past. In my opinion, it's a both and situation. So you have the doctor, you have the therapist. And then if you want to do some energy work too, that's great. They all work really well together. The second thing I want you to know is that I am not trained in all of the energy work methods that I mentioned in this episode. Some of them I am, and some of them I've administered, and all of them I've researched thoroughly or experienced. So in the ones that I'm less familiar with or I'm not certified in, I'm going to link trained experts that I know or have worked with in the past so that you can explore the different kinds of energy work methods on a deeper level or experience them on your own and know that you're going to somebody that at least I trust. That doesn't mean don't do your own due diligence to make sure if it's a good fit for you, but these are all people that I trust and have researched or have worked with personally. And the third thing, this is a non-exhaustive list of energy work techniques. I simply did not have room to share more than what I have here. I mean, this is already a super long episode, super long blog post, and So I did list a few more of my favorite energy work methods at the end that we'll get to, but just so you know, if I left out like your favorite form of energy work, I am so sorry, and it doesn't mean that it's not important, it just meant that I simply did not have room for it, okay? Let's dive in. So the first energy work method that I want to talk about is Reiki, and the reason that is because I think that Reiki is what most people think about when they hear energy work. But as you'll hear in this episode, that energy work is quite a diverse practice and Reiki is amazing, but it's not the only kind of energy work. So what is Reiki? Here's a short explanation of what Reiki is from a past blog post that Aaron Johnson shared on our blog. It says, Reiki is a specific kind of energy work. It's an energy healing modality that was channeled by Dr. Mikao Sui in Japan. The word Reiki itself means universal energy. It's universal energy, spiritual energy, and the energy of oneness that can be channeled from one human being to another to facilitate healing. Reiki has its own intelligence. You don't have to be special to give Reiki, which is one of the things I love about it. We all have the energy within us. It simply gets awakened through a process called Reiki attunement. That's from Aaron Johnson. Nowadays, it's relatively easy to become quote unquote Reiki certified and even be deemed a Reiki master. This is where, like I mentioned above, it's important to do your own research and have discernment when seeking a Reiki practitioner. The most insightful and 
In my opinion, important information I've heard and read about Reiki has come from Marika Clymer. She is trained in traditional Japanese Reiki. So if you're interested in receiving Reiki or learning more about traditional Reiki, I highly suggest learning more about Marika and her work. I've linked her website in the show notes. She also did a really great um, podcast interview with Erin Johnson on the Living Open podcast, which is also linked in the show notes, where she discusses traditional Reiki and decolonial energetic healing. So in my personal experience, Reiki has been a really wonderful and pleasant form of energy work. It's very gentle and it always kind of leaves me like I'm floating on a cloud after I experience Reiki. So I'm sure other people have had other experiences, but overall my experience with Reiki have been just overwhelmingly positive, calming, and like I said, just kind of leaves me at the end feeling like I'm floating on cloud nine. So I really highly suggest it for anybody who's interested in energy work. Now, the second one I want to talk about is crystal healing which is really big right now. There are a lot of things I really love about crystal healing, but I also do think it has some limitations, which I'll explain a little bit more in this section. So the one thing I love about crystal healing is that it is so accessible. This is one that's really great to practice on yourself. You don't have to have an innate psychic gift to perform crystal healing on yourself. There's loads of information available about crystal healing. And you really just need a few basic crystals to really experience the benefits of it. In my opinion, some good old quartz is you're good to go, okay? Crystal healing is based on the belief that because crystals are perfect crystalline structures, they can stabilize or shift the energy of other things and people that are around them. To learn more about crystal healing, I will link a blog post, a past blog post that I wrote in the show notes, or you can check out my Understanding Crystals book. Those are great places to start. Now, in my experience, I do think you need to be pretty sensitive to energy and patient to notice big shifts over time because I do think crystal healing can be pretty subtle, although that's not the case for everyone. People have certainly had really intense experiences working with crystals, but you'll find that a lot of times, and I think this goes back to it being more of a subtle energy work method, that crystal healing is often combined with other kinds of energy work and body work. So I think you'll see that a lot of Reiki practitioners use crystals, massage therapists, different kinds of body work will use crystals in their work. So it really marries beautifully with a lot of other practices. And I think that's really one of its best uses is being layered with other kinds of energy work and body work. It can definitely be a standalone form of energy work, but it makes a really great complement to a lot of practices. If you wanna learn more about crystal healing, I would have to recommend my friend Ashley Levy of the Love and Light School of Crystal Healing to learn more. She is an amazing woman um, and I love her approach. She's just extremely thorough in everything that she teaches. Also, if you would be interested in receiving crystal healing, I asked Ashley for a couple of recommendations of former students, which she kindly shared with me. So there are two of her past students that are linked in the show notes and in the blog post if you're interested in receiving a crystal healing session to experience this on a deeper level. Okay, and energy work technique number three is the energy alignment method, the emotion code, and applied kinesiology. 
So I lumped these three together because they're all based on variations of muscle testing. However, these practices, especially energy alignment and the emotion code, they do vary quite a bit and are taught in different ways, but they all have the same thing in common of muscle testing. Applied kinesiology, which is not the same thing as just plain kinesiology, was developed in the early 1900s by an orthopedic surgeon named R.W. Lovett. So he used it as a way to help him determine the effects of polio on his patients. Since then, it's been further developed a lot by a variety of medical and energy work practitioners. So applied kinesiology is based on the idea that when there is dis-ease or blocked energy within the body, the muscles store that and will be weakened. And then subsequent muscle testing will yield a different response from the body based on those weakened muscles. I know that's kind of out there. And to be honest, I probably would not have included this in this episode had I not personally experienced it somewhat recently. So, <laughs> Bear with me, and I do encourage you, like all of these, you know, explore it on your own and see what works for you. You might hate it, you might love it. I'm just sharing what's worked with me, take it or leave it. I'm most familiar with the energy alignment method, which is by Yvette Taylor, and then I'm also pretty familiar with the emotion code by Dr. Bradley Nelson, so that's what I'm going to focus on here. EAM, which is the energy alignment method, uses a sway test, which is a form of muscle testing to identify blocked or unhelpful energy patterns within the energy body or the physical body. And then it uses a series of unique steps to release the unwanted energy. And then it ends by calling in the desired energy. So the emotion code works in a similar way and uses muscle testing to find trapped emotions, but then it uses a different method of steps for releasing the trapped energy and it doesn't have this final step of calling in the energy you want. So like I said, I would probably tell you this energy work modality was total quackery if I hadn't just tried it myself because it seems almost too easy. I know, I thought that too. Over the last year, I've been working with a wonderfully talented coach who uses the energy alignment method named Maria Serafina. Not only could I feel the energy leaving my body when we did the EAM steps, which of course I will say I'm super sensitive to all things energy, but I also noticed a marked difference around all the issues that we worked on. It was a lot of very deep, profound healing work that I honestly wasn't expecting from such a seemingly simple system. I personally prefer EAM to the emotion code. I think that's just because I've benefited from it so much. And I also like that EAM brings in that fifth step to call in the desired energy. I found that the emotion code was a little bit harder to follow and determine what the blocked energy was, but it's a great tool and it's a great resource. The book is really easy to access. So I think if you're interested, I would try either book which I've linked both in the blog post and in the show notes. So either Yvette Taylor's book about EAM or The Emotion Code by Bradley Nelson. Also, my friend and coach Maria offers a free instructional video all about EAM that is linked in the show notes as well, which is really a great opportunity. So if this technique is piquing your interest, I definitely suggest checking out Maria's free offering because she's really good at 
walking people through this method. You certainly don't need to hire a coach or a practitioner to use this method. So it's another one that I think, again, is really accessible. You can find loads of information online, like YouTube videos and stuff, all about the emotion code and the energy alignment method. So like I said, if it piques your interest, this is one where really you can like go for it. You don't need to have an innate psychic ability or intuitive gift to use this method. And it can be really powerful. And I think you'll even find that you end up using it like day to day, like the sway test. I use this all the time. I use my pendulum too, which if you follow me long, you know that I'm a big fan of pendulums and use them a lot. So I use my pendulum and I use my sway test probably daily for different things. I mean, I'm talking even as little as like my to-do list. Using the sway test of my pendulum for my to-do list has been kind of earth shattering for me in a really positive way. It just takes a lot of the guesswork out of, okay, what do I need to focus on today? I've got like a bazillion things that I want to do or feel like I need to do. And it really helps narrow it down. I will stop going on about that. Like I said, I'm just a little bit extra hyped about this method because I've just personally been working with it with Maria. So if you're interested, lots of different things for you to dive into and explore it on a little bit of a deeper level. And let's see, what is this number four? We are going to talk about breath work and pranayama. So this is another really powerful healing method that's been under a little bit of controversy in recent years. So depending on who you ask, breathwork is pranayama, the ancient yogic practice of breath control. But some believe breathwork is a practice of its own, rooted in various ancient practices all over the world. So I'm not here to tell you which is true. I have not done the necessary research to offer you an answer, but as always, I think it's, you know, wherever you land, it's important to offer credit where credit is due. So just, you know, be aware of that. Pranayama is an ancient yogic practice that is one of the eight limbs of yoga and translates to breath control or control over the life-giving force. Breathwork pulls from a variety of cultures and practices, like I said, and both use a series of breathing techniques to control and move the flow of energy within the body. The idea is similar for both that by controlling and moving the breath, one can create shifts and healing in the physical, emotional, and energetic body. So this is another practice that I cannot speak highly enough of the benefits of practicing some kind of breathing technique, whether it be pranayama or breath work. I find it helps to calm the nervous system. It helps me get into a deeper state of meditation. It helps to release stored trauma and energy and can activate the intuition. The benefits of practicing pranayama or breath work are vast. And I think this is one, I don't really get into it here, but I really think this is one where there have been some studies and there are there's some science to back it up. I'm not gonna get into that here, but I would say if you wanna look into that, I'm sure there's some information out there. Like many of the other methods I've mentioned here, breathing is certainly something you can do on your own. And there are gentle pranayama and breathwork exercises that are great for, you know, adding on to a meditation practice or just helping to soothe your body to help you get into that parasympathetic mode where your body can really calm itself down and be in a more restorative place. However, I do want to state that there are certainly kinds of pranayama and breathwork that can be really intense. And in my opinion, it, it's not one of those practices that's always going to leave you like you're floating on a cloud, although it can. There are some really juicy, yummy 
relaxing forms of pranayama and breath work that can be extremely relaxing. But there are other kinds that are incredibly emotional and draining. If you really want to go deep with this practice, I, I really suggest to find somebody to facilitate it with you. There are so many options available. So you probably have a local yoga studio, but I understand if you don't want to do that in person, especially breath work, we've got COVID, like you may not want to be breathing in and out in a big group of people. I feel you, I'm there with you, but there are online offerings as well. So I'm going to list a lot of them in the show notes. So for pranayama, I really love following and listening to Susan Barkataki. She offers online and in-person yoga teacher training from a lens of respecting the cultural heritage of yoga. And any yoga teacher training should include pranayama. If it doesn't, I would question the legitimacy of said yoga teacher training, but she is a really great person to learn from should you want to explore that on a deeper level as well as the rest of yoga. And I know that she offers online training as well. And then if you want to experience some breathwork sessions, Erin um, Johnson, who shares blog posts here for us regularly, she offers breathwork sessions and I have linked that in the show notes. And she also dives much deeper into the practice of breath work in a previous blog that I've also linked in the show notes. And then Shauna Bryant is another breathwork practitioner who offers sessions and coaching options online as well. And that is also linked in the show notes. And if you've been following me long, reading my blog long or my videos, you know that I do share a lot of pranayama techniques. I don't talk about this often, but I do actually have my 200 hour yoga teacher training license. I stopped teaching back in like 2013 because I just didn't have time for it. So that's where I land on that spectrum. I do prefer to practice pranayama and that's where my training is. Okay, the last and certainly not the least energy work method that I will be talking about here in this episode is shamanic and intuitive healing. So I saved this one for the end because this is the energy field that I work in. So I knew it would be the longest section. And in my experience and personal practice, I found a lot of overlap between shamanic and intuitive healing. So there is definitely this like group of energy work practitioners that aren't practicing Reiki and but they're doing energy work. And so I find that a lot of this is either shamanic or intuitive. So a lot of people that do aura readings or aura cleansing, a lot of them fall into this intuitive healing kind of sphere. But there's there's a lot of like gray area. There's some people that in my opinion are practicing in a very shamanic way, but they don't call themselves shamanic practitioners. And that's, you know, it's just a personal preference of, you know, what lines people practice in, what their training came from, what they feel comfortable with. But I do think there's a lot of overlap between these two kind of healing modalities of shamanic and intuitive healing. I also want to make it clear that I'm using the term shamanism here as an umbrella term. The term itself is rooted in Siberian practices from the Tungus people. Now, there are shamanic-like practices that have been found in cultures worldwide, similar to the Tungus people, and these are often referred to as core shamanism. This is a much bigger topic that I can't speak to fully today, but I wanted to take a moment to at least address the term. I think there's a lot of misuse and misunderstanding about the words shamanism, shaman, shamanic practitioner. So I'm definitely going to dive into that on, on another day, but I wanted to speak to it a little bit here. 
So intuitive and shamanic healing is based on the idea that energy can be accessed, manipulated, and healed by people with a psychic or an intuitive gift that have been initiated or trained into this kind of energy healing. Traditional healing in this way can be found in nearly all indigenous practices across the world. Healers working in these modalities of intuitive or shamanic healing can usually see, and I put this in quotes, see either objectively or subjectively within the mind's eye, or can sense by way of clairsentience, either misaligned energy, energy attachments, blocked energy, cords, or physical issues. And then healers working in these ways can then remove, balance, or heal the energy through in-person or distance sessions. Healers working in these ways will often enter a trance-like state to perform this kind of work, but not always. And similar to Reiki, proximity is not necessary in this method of energy work, as we understand the energy is all connected. Another important point I'd like to make about intuitive and shamanic healing is that this work often relies heavily on collaborations between spirit guides and helping spirits from both the practitioner and the client. That's a common theme you'll see with a lot of intuitive and shamanic healing. So my introduction to this work began when I received my first shamanic healing session, probably in 2013, from my now mentor, Robin Afinowich. It was the most impactful healing session I've ever experienced. Again, I will save that a little bit later for when I share a post about my personal story, but this is a healing modality that you won't find many certifications for because people are often born into or initiated into this work and taught through lineages of teachers that don't always honor certifications the way so many of us do in the West. Now for recommendations of this kind of work, of course, I suggest my teacher, Robin Afinowich, but she offers sessions locally in the greater Phoenix area and is generally booked out. That said, I'm really excited to share, and I've mentioned this here and there in some newsletters and on Instagram, but I will be opening the doors soon to book with me for shamanic sessions very soon. So my newsletter subscribers will always be the first to know, and they will have early access to book with me. And if you're not on the email list, there is a link in the show notes to join my email list. So I do want to give you somebody that you can book with now if you feel really called to this kind of work. So another intuitive energy worker who I deeply respect, and I've heard her speak about her practice often, is Judea Starr. She also co-hosts an amazing podcast called Spirit Speakers, which I highly recommend. So I've linked her in the show notes too if you do want to book an intuitive healing session with her. Um, Okay, that is a wrap for five of the common energy work methods that I wanted to discuss with you. I hope you're feeling a little bit more empowered about what energy work is what the different kinds are, who can practice, so that you can go out in the world and if you feel like this is something that's calling to you, you have the tools you need to either learn how to practice energy work on yourself or to find somebody to work with or to work alongside with in some of these healing modalities. Like I said, there are so many powerful kinds of energy work that I did not have room to discuss here. Some of my personal favorites our sound healing. We have a couple of sound healing blog posts on the blog and we'll have another one coming soon, hopefully too, from an expert in the field. 
Acupuncture is another amazing one. This is one I've used a lot in the past and reflexology is another really great one too. So those are great ones that if you want to explore more on your own, I certainly encourage it. All right, and now like I promised, I'm going to answer some energy work related questions that some of you all asked on Instagram. So somebody asked how to control energy in a full room of people. I'm going to share a couple of things that I do anytime I'm in a big room and I feel like I need to control my energy a little bit more because maybe the other people's energies are affecting me. So first of all, I just want to say the best way to get used to doing this and quicker at controlling your energy in a large room of people will be to have good energy hygiene. So to make sure that you're checking in on your energy regularly and you have a good understanding of what your energy feels like. Two things that I usually do right away if I walk into a large space is I will connect with the earth. I will just imagine roots growing out of my the bottom of my feet, a cord coming out of the base of my spine, connecting to the earth to really just ground me and root me there and connect to that earth energy of you know infinite power and wisdom. And then another thing I do is I just kind of imagine my auric field just expanding with really bright light so that I know that nothing is going to be able to permeate my energy. Some supportive stones that can help with that. Labradorite is one of my favorites. And then black tourmaline can also be really helpful. So somebody asked, can you work with energy work subconsciously? And my answer to that would be absolutely, yes, you can. I think there are a lot of people working in this way. I think dream work is something that can also play into working with energy work on a subconscious level. I know there are a lot of people that do hypnotherapy as well, and then kind of perform energy work within that space of being hypnotized. So I think that working with the subconscious can actually be a really powerful way to do deeper energy healing and energy work. So absolutely. And somebody asked, what energy work would be good for depression and anxiety? I think that there are a lot of different kinds of energy work that can really help with depression and anxiety. Of course, as I already stated, it should never be a stand-in for traditional therapy or medication when needed, but I think it works really well in tandem. I think if you're brand new to energy work, that Reiki might be a really good place to start to help with anxiety and depression. And then beyond that, I think crystal healing can be a great thing to practice on your own when you can't do the Reiki. And then breath work is also can be a really powerful one. I think again, shamanic and intuitive work can be as well, but I think that needs to maybe be approached from a place of having maybe experienced some other kinds of energy work first as it can be a little bit more intense. So I would get your feet wet with some Reiki and maybe try out some crystals. If you want to try breath work, that could be super, super powerful for, for depression and anxiety. Just make sure you're practicing with somebody who's a trained practitioner. Those were the main questions that I didn't already answer within this episode already. But if you do have other questions, I'm always happy to answer. You can email us or um, reach out on Instagram. That's a great place. And either I or someone from the team will get back to you. I hope like I said, that you're just feeling a little bit more empowered about this topic. As always, if you enjoyed this, please consider sharing it with somebody you think might enjoy it as well. I will probably see you on here sooner rather than later. I know there was a big break between this episode and the last episode. Like I said, I've just been toiling away on the back end with all of these fun new changes that I'm working on. And I'm really excited to get things kind of shifting and changing and moving on 
your end that you see and you experience. I feel like there have been so many shifts and changes on my end, but a lot of them aren't really front facing yet. So we're getting there and it won't be long now that all of the Zend Out branding is gone and we'll have new stuff in its place. And I'm really excited about all of it, but I will definitely plan to have a podcast out for the autumn equinox, offering you some suggestions to tune into that energy. And then I also want to share another post soon about my personal story and initiation into the energy work that I practice where I can really dive deep into my process and share that with you. So until then, I hope you have or had a beautiful new moon and I will see you again soon. Bye. Thank you for rooting into this space with me. To support this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen. Find full transcripts for each episode, free resources, my books, courses, and services all at CassieEwell.com. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-U-H-L.com. You are here for a reason. Allow the inspiration to flow through you in a way that serves yourself and the world. Awen. Ah,